we said. The Press Box. And here we go with a brand new edition of the Press Box Podcast. Mike Grace for my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, serving up just a slice of what you hear every weekday on great radio stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. If you like what you hear, a couple things you can do for us. First of all, like us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBoxRadio and the number one. And that's the same handle where you found this PressBox uh, podcast. If you would maybe subscribe, that way you get one, the new one every time it comes out. And if you tell a friend and they might subscribe, that would be fantastic. They'll find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, plus iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever they find your favorite podcast. Simply search PressBox Radio 1. That's PressBox Radio and the number one for the PressBox podcast. Our guest today, we had a chance to visit with a World Series champion, a World Series hero, as a matter of fact, a home run derby champion. He's former South Alabama Jaguar, Arizona Diamondback, Luis Gonzalez. And he joined us inside the press box. We started off talking about the home run derby and his 2001 victory. Yeah, that was my uh, my first and only time participating. So I really uh, didn't know much about it. Uh, the fortunate part about it was you were able to take your own batting practice throw, which is still... To this day, that's what happens. The guys that participate in it are able to bring guys that they're comfortable with who can throw to them. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to bring Jeff Matuzas, who was my batting practice thrower with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, every year, every round, it didn't matter if we were facing a left-hander or a right-hander. Uh, I always like to get comfortable before the game, and he was the guy who always threw to my group, whatever group I was in. So um, that just made it real nice and easy for me. But Heck, I was sitting on the bench, and Smash Mouth was playing uh, in Seattle, uh, and and I was watching the concert with him. We were sitting there, and uh, the production people come by and said, "Hey, we're going to start as soon as they clear the field with the uh, with the stage. We're going to start the home run derby." And I go, oh, "Okay, can I go uh, get some swings?" And they go, "They've been hitting downstairs." And I was like, "Oh God." I didn't know anything about any of that stuff, oh, so uh, I went in there kind of cold turkey, but, but it was nice. I mean, the only difference for guys like that is when that batting cage, uh, the turtle kind of rolls away, which is the cage where the guys hit early. Uh, that kind of backs up the catcher. Guys foul tip balls and players are all standing around. That thing gets rolled away, so it's a little different feeling for guys if you haven't done it before or practiced something like that. I want to ask before we move on from that topic, who's got the who's got the most pressure? You as the big leaguer or the guy you've brought to throw to you? <laughs> I would That's think it'd be, be tough. Uh, well, as the, as the big leaguer, you just want to at least hit once so you could represent coming back into the locker room because that's a uh, that's a gauntlet waiting for you if you don't hit any home runs. And there's <laughs> been a lot of big names that get in get in the competition and don't hit any at all. Uh, I don't see that happening tonight uh, playing in Coors Field. Uh, but we used to do the 10 out format. So about my first three or four swings, man, I was so excited. I hooked like four balls, which were, I'm a left-handed hitter right over the first base. Seemed like over the first base dugout. So, um, you know, you just got to calm yourself down and you know, everybody's trying to see you hit the ball as far as you can. So it's a different perspective out there, but it was a lot of fun for me. Luis is Chris Stewart. And I remember Watching you, I remember how great you were, but now seeing some things, putting it in context with that era. I mean, 
you you not only win an All Star Game home run derby, which is special, but you beat Sammy Sosa, who was one of the best, and especially during that time, one of the best to do it. I had forgotten that. Um, I think you finished second to Barry Bonds the year that he hit seventy three homers. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, him and Sosa were in that home run chase again too. Sosa was up there, and um, but you hit fifty seven. I, I don't know if I finished second or third, but um, I, I it, for me that was it was fun. Uh, the first half of the season, I think I had like thirty, maybe thirty five homers at the break. I was just locked in, and man, I had a great team, a group of guys around me. I mean, they were all veteran players. I had Matt Williams hitting behind me who, uh, shoot, I think he finished with almost 400 home runs in his career. So, um, I mean, it was uh, kind of a pick-your-poison type thing of who you're going to face in our lineup. And we just had great guys up and down. It was a veteran team, and it turned out to be a storybook season for me, really. Luis Gonzalez, former Diamondback, was with other organizations. Of course, Dodgers in there. Uh, Mike Grace. Uh, as we kind of set up some more of the interview here with Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar, one of only 25 players in Major League history. Uh, and I know Luis likes long introductions, so look, yeah. give, give us the stat. <laughs> this really puts a lot of stuff into context. One of only 25 MLB players to collect at least 2,500 hits, 500 doubles, 350 home runs, and 1,000 RBI. And, and again, this, these are names like Hank Aaron, Stan Musial, Willie Mays, Cal Ripken Jr., Frank Robinson, Babe Ruth. That's a pretty good group there to uh, to, to be included Ted in, Williams. at least. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Ooh, good group. Albert Pujols. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, every time I, I kind of pinch myself sometimes because, you know, when I left South Alabama in 88, I was a junior. I got signed. I was a fourth-round pick. And uh, really, South turned me around. I was a young kid coming in, a freshman. Uh, Coach Kittrell had put me in a great situation. He put me with three older guys. They gave me a hard time all the time, but I loved it and uh, really taught me how to, to, you know, be a baseball player. I was I came from a hotbed area in Tampa, Florida, where there was a lot of major league players coming out of there. But I was not ready for that next level, which was, you know, playing professional baseball and uh, went to South. I just wanted an opportunity to play, and I came in. I was hitting the ball real well, and Coach Kittrell said, hey, can you play first? I go, absolutely, and really hadn't played first base in years. You know, when you're little, 11 or 12, and, uh, you know, that's it was just a position that I really had to learn because that was the only spot really open for me to, to play every single day on the team. And uh, lo and behold, I, I took it, I enjoyed it, and I had great guys around me, and um, – and signed in 88 with the Houston Astros. And uh, back then, it's not like today, the big production on TV and everything. I got a call. We're on the quarter system at South, and I got a call in the dorm room uh, with all the guys standing around uh, saying I had gotten drafted. And then, of course, later on, I got like a telegram saying uh, I was selected in the fourth round by the Houston Astros. And then a couple years later, I found myself in September call up in the big leagues. And uh, they, that was pretty exciting. They didn't just you know, tweet you, you? You don't know how long you're going to play. So for me, uh, I pinch myself all the time. Even in the midst of my career in the middle, when I was, uh, you know, one of those all-star guys and everything like that, I never took things for granted. I always tried to remember where I came from, and I was uh, just enjoying every moment. Luis Gonzalez, our guest, uh, the only Jag 
as an athlete, there's coaches' numbers up there. But the only one to have his jersey number retired is uh, jersey on the outfield wall. The first Diamondback to have his jersey retired, the number 20, also immortalized. The lefty and, uh, you know, you were, you were freshman All-American at 86, first team All-American at 88. And all the things we just mentioned, all the accolades, all the accomplishments. Is it still, though, that more times you're recognized or people want you to recount and give – your, your thoughts and recollections of Game 7, 2001 World Series against the Yankees? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it never gets old. I, I promise you that. There's only been a handful of guys uh, that have been able to do that. And for me, it was a dream come true. I mean, I never uh, expected to be in that situation. Uh, but when you're a kid, you grow up dreaming about being in those spots. You know, you always play in your backyard or you know, even with your buddies, you know, when you're when you're hanging out, you know, wiffle ball or stick ball, whatever it might be, you're always game seven of the World Series, two outs, bottom of the ninth. And uh, to actually find yourself in that spot, uh, walking up to the plate with, you know, 40, 50,000 people, a national audience, things like that, man, it, it's a moment that I will uh, cherish for the rest of my life. And uh, I got, you know, you're able to share it with all your family and friends. And, you know, I, I think a Right after that, I went back to South and, you know, just to thank people because of the simple fact that you don't do things like that alone. There's a lot of people along the way that uh, that were able to help you get to that moment. And, and I've had a lot of great uh, coaches, uh, my parents and grandparents and, and a lot of just people that helped guide me to where I was at. And let's not forget that that game winner, the World Series winner, came off of just Mariano Rivera. Uh, possibly the the greatest uh, closer in in Major League Baseball history. Uh, this may be a one of those questions that everybody asked Luis, but can you kind of take us back to the at bat? Do you have recollections of of your your thought process when you step into the batter's box in that situation? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I was on deck actually, and Craig Council was on with second and third, and I just kind of had a feeling they're going to throw to Council. They don't, you know, they're looking at the lineup. I've, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, they don't want to face me. They want to face Council. Um, but he had just won the uh, the National League uh, Championship Series MVP. So I'm thinking, okay, but he's going, he's hot right now. And I'm thinking to myself in the on-deck circle, okay, when this guy gets a hit, where do I want to go? Do I want to run to him at first base? Do I want to jump on the guy <laughs> that hits home plate? And then lo and behold, he gets hit by the pitch. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. This is my moment. This is the, this is the opportunity that I had been dreaming about my whole life. And as I'm walking to the plate, I'm thinking about, you know, my mom and them driving me to the little league practices. And I mean, all these things are rushing through your mind all the time, but then uh, Joe Torrey goes out and they decide to bring the infield in because of the cutter, me being a left-handed hitter, Mariano throws a cutter. If I get jammed and hit a weak ground ball, they won't be able to turn a double play. The run will score. So um, for me, all these things were going through my head, and all I was thinking, okay, I got to get something in the outfield. I got to get a ball up in the air. Got to get something in the outfield to get that run in. And uh, I was just lucky enough to squirt that ball through and get it over Jeter's head and into uh, just past the shortstop area and, and land. As soon as I hit it off the bat, I knew it was going to fall in because of the, where the infielders were playing, man, and I was just so excited. And to have everybody rush to you at first base and, um, you know, all the fans and everybody, I don't think I slept for, shoot, I want to say 
48 hours after that, I was just so excited. All my friends, my family, all the text messages and different things like that. Uh, it was just an exciting time for us and for our city here in, uh, and state in Arizona. In, in Luis, it was also a, a very, very meaningful time nationally as well because it's coming literally weeks after 9-11. And you're, um, you know, ordinarily, the the world would have been pulling for you guys, except for Yankees fans. But because of the tragedy of 9-11 and the respect that people had for New York City at that time, not that you guys were the villains for winning over New York, but it was somewhat odd, wasn't it, that that most of the country was indeed pulling for the team that wore pinstripes, which was was a little bit backwards from how it normally used to be. Now that time has passed, have you been able to reflect on how meaningful that time was? Just that as a country, we're able to go back and have the World Series, play baseball again, have normalcy in what was such a, a time of upheaval in our country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just a... Uh... Man, you know, you're playing the biggest games of your life. You dream about being in these games, but we didn't want to lose perspective of what was going on in the in the world and, and in New York City. And for us, you know, we were able to uh, to win games one and two in, in, in Arizona. But when we, you know, you always have a day in between. So after the, the game two, we flew to the city and uh, we had made a team decision I say team decision, a, ma- a majority of the guys, a large majority of the guys, the players and the, the people that we went with had decided uh, we're going to go down to ground ground zero, you know, through clearance and all this stuff. Sure. Uh, we went down there to pay our respects to what was going on and to also to thank the first responders and the volunteers and stuff. They've been out there for hours uh, going through everything. And, and we just wanted to make sure that, we let people know that we didn't forget what's going on in the world. I mean, there's a lot more important things to sports, but sports has a funny way of bringing people together, healing, making people forget uh, troubling times, and it also is joyous times for a lot of people. And for us, we didn't want to lose perspective of that, so we went down to the command center and ground zero and walked around there and and I'll tell you guys, that's uh, it's an image in your mind that uh, I'll never forget. I mean, you you see things on TV, but when you're actually there live, you you get a very different perspective of what's going on. And for us, there was there wasn't a lot of uh, dry eyes there. There was a lot of tears shed uh, just from the things that we saw out there. And um, but uh, that, things worked out in that World Series. They were able to win games three, four, and five in dramatic fashion. I mean that stadium was rocking there was so loud there was <clears throat> snipers and security guards and uh fbi i mean there was p- people everywhere in that stadium under whether it was undercover or uh just in plain uniform it was uh it was like almost you were playing in a third world country because of the simple fact of you know all the security checkpoints and things that you had to go through just to get into the stadium, and of course to get into the locker room. Even though you were a player, you still had to go through all that stuff to to get out there and play. But uh, game three, before game three, when President Bush threw out that first pitch, that was a that was an epic moment that uh, 
you know, still, I, I, I never forget. I mean, he threw that strike to home plate and the roar of the crowd and just the excitement and all that. It was almost like, hey, as a country, we're back and we're not going to we're not going to lose this fight. So that was a pretty awesome moment. What a time that was and uh, what a job for Luis Gonzalez to lead his Arizona Diamondbacks to that world championship back in 2001, just weeks after 9-11. Our thanks again to Luis Gonzalez for joining us here inside the Press Box podcast, an example of what you hear each and every day on great stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. Go there, visit the affiliates page to find the station nearest you. Check out the episodes page to hear the show on demand or simply press the listen button to hear the Press Box anytime 24-7. Until next time, for my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace saying thanks for listening to this edition of the Press Box Podcast.